Ulterior. Yo, you can't tell me that I wasn't cooking when I named the last episode Stroud to Collins. You can't tell me that I wasn't seeing the vision. You can't tell me that I wasn't fucking with the underdogs. That I wasn't fucking with everybody in the playoffs who people say is not given a chance. So therefore, this weekend, you can catch me on my sofa cheering for the Texans and the Packers. We doing some bullshit out here. And before I go into anything else for the episode, I want to say quickly, once again, shout out anybody who been running up the numbers for the video content, whether that be on TikTok, Instagram Reels, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, whatever the platform is, you have contributed in some way to those numbers having a constant and steady flow, let's put it that way, where I can look at what I am doing with this platform and say, this might work. We might have a shot here. And by we, I mean myself and all of you guys, because you're all a part of this journey. You're all coming with me and we're going to make some big money moves together. That's the whole theme for this year. Big money moves. Don't let anybody take away your right to make a bag. Anyways, for this episode, what do we got? We got brand new singles by the likes of Fit for a King, Ghost Atlas, Issues, Letters Sent Home, and a couple of others I want to mention, and then brand new records by If I Were You and Casey. Thank you so much. Thank you for tapping in. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So Machine Gun Kelly was in the news again this past week, and it went about as well on Twitter as you think it would have. So what I'm going to try to do right now is wrap my head around the timeline for the whole ordeal and explain to you guys step by step what it was that happened and how we got from point A to point Z in the most asinine manner I've ever seen on Twitter in my life. So it all started when Schechter announced a new guitar design for MGK that has the body shaped like a razor blade. And from there, the state of the scene aggregated the news story. So that went out to everybody's timelines. And that led to Ollie Appleyard of Static Dress giving his opinion on the matter, not holding back whatsoever. So then MGK responded to Ollie, and that led to about a day's worth of Static Dress fans and friends against MGK stand Twitter. And then from there, Metal Burb gave his opinion on the matter, which was that the designer of the guitar glorified self-harm. And so that led to MGK getting involved again, and now Ronnie Ratke getting involved, and that somehow devolved into Ronnie going against Sanguisigabog and stabbed, and like I said, it was just one of the most wild out there and asinine things I've ever seen happen on scene Twitter. It was very entertaining, I'm not gonna lie about that, but also, nothing was achieved here, nothing got done, and, you know, this is just another news cycle that is going to come and go, but I am kind of glad that it happened because like I said, it was very, very entertaining. And the only like real opinion piece I'll give about this story is that the guitar was a little bit ugly. I'm not gonna lie about that. Anyhow, let's talk about some singles now, why don't we? A uh, really strong week, and I want to start off with one of the singles that I think the scene should be taking a victory lap over, and that is Keeping Secrets by Fit for a King.
So it's pretty safe to say that I was kind of blown away by this single, and I don't say that because I had any doubts in my head about what Fifer King could achieve off of a cleaner style of metalcore, because I feel like off of the records, the path and the hell we create, they were able to find their footing in certain areas of that sound. But that's kind of the key phrase there, though. Certain areas, I feel like it was only on certain songs that we really got to hear the ideas as fleshed out and well-explored as they could have been. And then on other songs, maybe it just wasn't there, and it wasn't there to an extent that was kind of detrimental to the band's overall sound. But when I hear Keeping Secrets, I feel like I'm hearing a band who, they didn't just find the footing once again, they mastered it at the same time. When I hear Ryan Kirby singing on this song, I feel like I'm hearing somebody who is as confident in his abilities as he's ever been. And the crazy thing is, that's not actually the case, because Ryan tweeted after the song's release that he's still trying to become comfortable with clean singing because it's new to him. But... Like I said, when I hear the song, I can't tell at all that he might have any doubts about his abilities. I feel like Ryan is 100% not giving himself as much credit as he should be because he sounds fucking amazing on this track. He also tweeted that the band won't actually have a new full length out this year, and what they'll be doing instead is kind of exploring different sounds and concepts to see what it is that they want to achieve and what direction they want to go into in the future. And I feel like that's a very respectable decision because we should all want Fit for King, and any band for that matter, to make the kind of music that they really want to. But what I will say is that if we end up getting more songs that sound like Keeping Secrets, I'm not going to have any complaints whatsoever because in my mind, this really might be the best version of Fit for King that we've ever gotten. We got one more single ahead of Ghost Atlas' new album, and that single is Gaps in the Armory. So like I mentioned before, the record is called The Dust of Human Shape, and it is out January 26th, so next week actually, or maybe the week that you guys are hearing this episode. I don't exactly know when this will be released, but whatever the case is, Dust of the Human Shape is a record that is definitely going to make some noise and make some moves in the scene, I really believe that. And not just off of like the name value of Jesse Cash, who, if you guys do not know, is the guitarist from Era, but also the work ethic and the output that this guy has. I think it's really showing in this crop of singles because each of them provides this very unique experience from one another. And I feel like we're just getting to kind of see the surface of what it is like Jesse is actually capable of when it comes to, you know, mixing and blending these different sounds in alternative rock. When I hear Gaps in the Armory, I hear a song that it's not necessarily acoustic, nor is it really rooted in that kind of a style, but you just have these acoustic elements and it really feels like the instrumentation around it and even Jesse's voice for that matter. It, it's kind of just like dancing around those guitar melodies. If I could compare it to any songs in the past, and I'm not, I'm not saying Gaps in the Armory sounds like this, but the feelings that I get listening to songs like uh, Loser by Beck or Love Spreads by Stone Roses, I feel like that's the same thing that Gaps in the Armory achieves when it comes to how this acoustic arrangement was approached. Gaps in the Armory is so beautiful and catchy at the same time, a song that has really been able to grip me for the last few days, and I cannot get enough of it, I cannot get enough of Ghost Atlas, and I would imagine that's going to be the case once the album is out too. 
There is some exciting news brewing within Letters Sent Home. Here is the new single by them. It is called I Hope I Die First. Alongside the single came the announcement of Letter Sun Home's debut record. It is Forever Undone, out on April 12th via Sharptone Records, and I really do believe that this is an album that everybody out there should be going out of their way to hear once it's out. And I say that off of the strength of the singles, Request Denied, and Element, and I Hope I Die First continues the trend of all of these songs sounding very stylistically different from one another, and in my mind, I Hope I Die First is one of the most heartfelt songs I've heard from any band in a minute, and a big reason for that is because of Emily's delivery vocally and how she was able to tap into this subject matter that she said on Instagram was a story that she really wanted to tell. And I think the band just did an incredible job at, you know, kind of mirroring that emotion and that range from her. And what you end up getting on I Hope I Die First is a song that it might be very difficult to get through because of just how gutting it is, but it's also very rewarding and fulfilling at the same time and whatever direction that letter sent home will be taking for this album i feel like they've proven themselves as being one of the best standout bands in the scene right now and a band who everybody like i said before should be paying attention to i think they've absolutely nailed everything that they've done so far and i hope i die first is a song that continues to leave me speechless every single time i hear it lolo released a brand new single it is called two of us I try to talk about Lola whenever I can on this show because I think she has this very consistent output that has maybe gone unnoticed by a lot of people and you know that's fine because I, I believe that sooner than later none of you guys will be able to uh, ignore the efforts of Lolo. Not that you guys are ignoring them. That's kind of just the word that came to mind. Um, something about two of us that I think really stands out from the rest of Lolo's discography is that there's kind of this like ominous nature to it in a way. It's not a dark song, or I guess it can be perceived as one, but what I mean is that you still have all of those like really catchy and quirky pop elements of Lolo, but it's just done in a different way, and it's done in a way that kind of sounds diabolical at times. I don't really know how else to explain it or really put my finger on it, but two of us just has that kind of an aura and an atmosphere to it that, again, I'm not sure if Lolo has actually done before and if she has done it it's not been able to resonate with me the way that two of us did i love this song i really love the way that you kind of have that tease of the chorus the first time around and then once it comes in later on again in the song it really blossoms and erupts into something that i think is just like magnificent and memorable in every facet lolo is a star and i really want to see her continue to rise um issues i really wish we could be talking about this band under different circumstances, and that's kind of been the case for the entire show's runtime and duration and tenure, but we have to do what we have to do, and things happen out of our control. Here is the final Issues song ever. It is called Since I Lost You.
that's really the end for issues. That's really a wrap for them. And while it, it is very sad to see them go, and especially when you consider what happened a number of years ago that led to this disbandment, I'm at least glad that they were able to go out on their terms, and not just off of this single, but off of a couple of farewell shows that Brian from the home team has been helping them out with vocally. But truth be told, guys, when I hear this single, there is a big part of me that wants to be selfish and say that I really, really, really wish there was a way that Issues could have continued on with Skylar on vocals because he sounds fucking majestic here and this song has every element to Issues character that made me fall in love with them, that made so many of you guys feel the same way about them and... Their contributions to the scene will never be forgotten. They left a massive imprint on all of us. And above all else, what I just want to say right now to Skylar and AJ and Josh is that you guys did way more than anybody will ever be able to credit you guys for. For the future and for generations to come, there will be kids who get into music and say that you guys were the reasons why they're there and why that's happening. The legacy that you guys left can never be understated, can never be undersold, and can never be forgotten, or replicated for that matter. Thank you so much. The final single for the episode that I want to go into detail on is by Shoreline, and it is Reviver. I've mentioned Shoreline before, but I've never really given them a spotlight until now, and I felt like said spotlight just could not be denied whatsoever after hearing Reviver, and for a band who is labeled as hardcore, I feel like I can hear all of those elements sprinkled into this track, but at the same time, it's packaged in a way that is just very, like, curious, I guess, and the rhythm throughout the song, it, it's got, like, this fun element to it, and I feel like that's the word that I'm going to keep coming back to whenever I talk about Reviver, fun. It just has that kind of a pacing to it. I feel like it's the kind of hardcore song that it never really explodes into that kind of an adventure, but it's just very contained, and it's done in this simplistic way that is still so captivating all at the same time. And again, I don't really know what else to say about Reviver, other than just that it's the kind of song that you guys really should go out and hear on your own because it's just so like quirky and insane in a lot of ways but it was one of those kinds of songs where again i couldn't deny just how much i fucked with it i couldn't deny the kind of effect that's been able to have on me i would imagine myself you know becoming even higher on this song as time progresses and it's gonna be one that i go back to regularly i really do believe that these were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. Hot Mess by 408. A Different Shade of Misery by Acres, The Fullness of My Being by Being as an Ocean. You and I by Bloom. Strangers by Costin featuring AJ Perdomo. Dancing with Demons by Cyan Kicks. Resurrected by Gates to Hell. Lost and Alone by Gopher Gold. House of Mirrors by Heartbent. Infatuation by I Don't Know How But They Found Me, Cut the Core by King Yosef, Shame's Mirrors by King Yosef, Decomposed by Light the Fire, Tell the Truth by Notions, Odyssey by Sable Hills, Shine by Sails of Serenity, Cardinals by Telltale, Broken Glass Incantation by The Last 10 Seconds of Life, 
and What Slept Beneath Darvos by The Wise Man's Fears featuring Left to Suffer and Holofront. So there were no singles that got below a four last week, which you love to see. Love to see the energy going throughout the scene. Uh, keep it up, guys. And actually, that's the same thing that happened within the two records I'm going to talk about right now. So uh, exciting times ahead, guys. Pretty exciting times. The first album up is With or Without by If I Were You. So I, I feel like I have some thoughts about this record and probably the band, if I were you altogether, that might come across as backhanded in a way, but I really don't mean for it to sound like that. It's kind of just something that was really surfacing to mind as I was getting through with or without. And that is that if I were you have a very good grasp on modern metalcore and what it takes to make a successful record out of that. I don't believe that when I hear this album, I hear something that is going to change the genre. I don't think that anybody will be listening to this album and, you know, say that this is kind of the album that shaped metalcore for them. It's not that kind of a record, but ultimately, I don't think it ever really needed to be. Like, all If I Were You had to do for this album was just show their own efforts and really show why it is that they deserve a spot in the upper echelon of metalcore acts today. And I do believe that at large, that's what they did on With or Without. It's a pretty short record, only eight songs long, one of those songs being Ghost, which I believe came out last year back in like March or April, and I had a, a lot of great things to say about it on the show last year when it was released. It honestly was like a part of the uh, like the, the cutting room floor per se for top 100 songs. I, I think Ghost is the magnum opus of the band. It's the song that really allows every element to their name shine through in the biggest and most grandiose way possible. I feel like there is no other song here that has the effectiveness on screams and cleans and, and everything else around that the way that Ghost does. And still, like I said, it's my favorite song by this band. There's definitely a lot of influence taken from other contemporary bands in the genre. Like when I hear a song like Wither, I can sense every bit of like Moss of Flames that this band might have been listening to. You get through some of the other songs here and I feel like you can also, you know, get those glimpses of like um, in-band anime per se. And I don't say that to say that like, you know, if I were you kind of like copied any of those bands, I just definitely think that the influence is strong here. And to the credit of if I were you, they're able to take those ideas and kind of make them their own in a lot of ways. And I think aside from just vocals, the instrumentation and production are two other very strong suits on this album. When I say instrumentation, I'm looking at a song like Fallen and the blast beats that you hear in that song and just how thunderous and ferocious it sounds. And then when I say production, I look at Misery and the synthesized intro. It would sound like something that might not fit in with this kind of a record and this style and theme that If I Were You went for. But you know what, man? It works so well on Misery. And and it does a great job at really allowing that song to stand out from the pack in a lot of ways. And now take those two things I just said, production and instrumentation, mix them together and you get Curse. 
And I know I just gassed up Ghost as being my favorite song on the record, but honestly, Curse is like right there besides it. I, I hear that song and I hear this very like clean and effective effort by If I Were You that is able to, you know, kind of help propel them into that upper echelon of the genre that I was just mentioning. Um, this album, like I said, it's not revolutionary and it's not going to be the kind of album that anybody turns to and say that it got them into metalcore, but I think that's not really what needed to happen here. I think all If I Were You needed to do was just show that they could take the styles and concepts that they wanted to, and even if just for eight songs, make it matter, make it mean something for that duration. And I think that's exactly what they did. It's a really short and fun listen, and I don't think anybody would be doing themselves a disservice if they just took the time to just listen to the album and see for themselves if If I Were You is a band that they can get behind. And for the final record of the episode, it is the new one by Casey, How to Disappear. I feel like this is going to be overlooked or understated, but Casey being back in the scene is genuinely a big-ass deal, especially for somebody like myself who I had kind of been there since the beginning a number of years ago, and being able to see Casey on their initial rise and that initial upward trajectory and become, in my mind, one of the biggest standout bands of melodic hardcore, it was just very rewarding and satisfying, to say the least. They had two records out, Love Is Not Enough and Where I Go When I Am Sleeping, and like I said, those two records just really did a lot to tell me that this was a band with as much potential and promise in the world as they wanted. And in an alternate timeline, they would have, you know, stayed the course and have been even bigger than they are right now, but life happens, shit happens, it's just the way it goes. And in 2019, Casey announced their breakup and it was definitely something sad to see happen because like I said, I felt like at that point in time, the band was just getting started. They had not gotten their flowers yet. They had yet to actually receive that level of appreciation and adoration from the scene that I felt like their music had really warranted. And then so fast forward a couple of years later, I believe it was in December of 2022 when Casey announced that they were returning and, you know, initially it was just a couple of shows, so I wasn't like fully getting my hopes up yet for the future of the band and what could potentially be happening in terms of exciting stuff, but we ended up getting a couple of singles along the way and with each single, I could understand that this was going to be a bit of a different Casey. Maybe the hardcore elements weren't necessarily going to be there anymore, but just the the fluidity of this band melodically, it made me believe that they were going to be okay no matter what. And now that we have the full album, How to Disappear, I feel validated in everything that I've been saying about Casey because I think they came out swinging on this record. They are just as immaculate in their sound and style as they've ever been. And like I said, How to Disappear is a, a bit of a departure. You don't have that full-on aggression, but I feel like it is exchanged for this somberness and a brooding element that you can't teach a band, you can't tell them how to make this kind of music. They just have to feel it. It has to be in their souls and their spirits, and it is engulfing every member of Casey as it stands right now. 
I hear a track like the opening song, Unique Lights, and it feels like there are certain moments in that song's runtime where Casey, they're like kind of amplifying the aggression, and then they bring it back down to the ground level in a way that you just cannot help but look at and admire and just have that level of appreciation for them that I know everybody can. And then you get to the song afterwards, I Was Happy When You Died, which is just from the name itself, a very, very heavy song in that manner and that kind of a brooding sound that I've been mentioning already. And that's a song where I feel like once the chorus comes in and you really get to hear all of those ideas just become surface level for Casey, you can't deny this band. You cannot say that they are not hitting every possible note right now that they can. I think there are a number of songs afterwards that do an even further great job at really showing the kinds of sides to Casey and what people might have been missing out on. Take Sanctimonious, for example. That song has a lot of angst and energy to it, and it's intense in a way that I can look at that song and say, you fit right in with everything else that I knew from this band beforehand. And then a song like Sela, which is just so ominous, and it feels like the kind of song that Casey was already working towards achieving back in their heyday previously. And to now get to see them as great as they are and as refined as they are really nail this sound down, it is just so satisfying as a listener. Later on in the track list, you get this piano interlude called St. Peter, and to have that song come immediately after Those That I'm Survived By and right before Puncture Wounds to Heaven, it really shows off every bit of versatility that I've always known Casey to have. And like I've been saying, guys, to understand where this band came from and hear just how much they have progressed and matured to ultimately capture the sound of How to Disappear, I, I feel validated in everything that I've ever believed about Casey. Songs like Space Between and Blush do another spectacular job at really getting to allow all of us to hear even more of the emotional range of Casey and then the album closes on its title track. And I think at that point, I'm already like so floored by everything else I'm hearing that just kind of having a song like How to Disappear where it feels very cumulative and like as if every idea from every prior song is just seeping its way into that specific ending track. It just makes it to where I look at Casey and I'm like, not only did you not miss a beat at all in your absence, you somehow leveled up. You somehow found every additional strength and attribute that you as a band needed to really break through to that next level. If all is right in the world, guys, Casey is a band who will see some breakthrough numbers this year, and I feel like they have that opportunity to start very soon. They'll be on the Holding Absence Headliners Tour, and if you're going to be going to that show, please, 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 please give Give your love and time and appreciation to Casey because they're a band who has been on the grind for so long now and it feels like this is the first real chance that they're going to get to actually kind of reap those rewards and receive all of the benefits that they have earned from all of us. Casey is a band who you cannot miss out on, whether it's at a live show or you know streaming on Spotify or wherever else. You guys need Casey. Like I really do believe that you need Casey in the same way that the scene needs Casey. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to review. Another light week in terms of quantity, but the quality was definitely there. A lot of bands, whether they be higher up on this totem pole or at a lower level, they're hooping right now. And you just love to see it, man. You love to see where the scene is right now when it comes to bands and their output and their efforts. There's a lot to really take in and a lot to champion. And I'm happy to be here and do all of that. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and as always, for the love of the game, 
let's make a scene. 